0: It is great to see you guys. Thank you for being here and just worshiping Jesus this morning. It was amazing to be in his presence together and just to feel uh, his love being poured out upon us. And. Uh I just want to thank you for being here the week after Easter and, and knowing that every week is Easter in a Christian's life, that we are always living the resurrection, that it wasn't just a one-time event in history, and it's not just a one-time event on the calendar, but it is life that flows through us to people every single day of the year. So thanks for being here and worshiping this morning. Uh, I mentioned our, the Easter miracle last week that the Pirates were in first place. Wow we need more miracles, God. <laughs> uh, after after we highlighted the Easter miracle of the Pirates being in first place, they lost seven games in a row this week. Uh, there is a sermon in there somewhere. After you get your miracle, don't stop praying. You know, there are going to be times we're on the mountaintop and we could forget about God because things are going so well. And we need to keep pressing through. So uh, keep praying for the Pirates in our city. We, we need some help here. So uh, thank you, Lord Jesus, that Sports are sports, and our lives are in your hands. Uh, so this week, uh, after Easter, since we, we talked about the resurrection and Jesus, and he's this linchpin of our faith and the center of everything that's built on us, I wanted to start a new series talking specifically about Jesus. And the name of this series is called My Name Is. And uh, for those of you that, that aren't aware of it, uh, there is a Megan Trainor song that says My Name Is... No. Oh, three people knew it. And so... Megan is not on my playlist, but I have grandkids that apparently she's on the playlist in their house, because Eli and Leo were walking around the house a few weeks ago going, my name is no, my sign is no, my number is no. So obviously... The song is about a girl saying, hey, don't even bother to a guy. Like, I know what you're all about, and my name is no. Like, you don't even have to go there and start. So, but it's not as cool with me singing it. Like, it really is much better with Eli and Leo running around the house, you know, at three years old, and he gets the little finger shake, and, and Eli even occasionally will put the hip out a little bit. So names mean something, and they communicate something to people, and they communicate because of who we are and what's going on inside of us, and it's very important what we're named. Uh, My name is Christopher, which means Christ-bearer, which I think was very appropriate for what God had in mind for me doing in life. Uh, Pam's name means sweetness. Yeah. And... And I will tell you that she lives up to that name every second of every moment of every day. It is God has blessed me. I found a wife. It's a good thing. And it's just sweetness from God all the time. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Chris. You can you can look at your wife and say, "Hey, even though your name's not Pam, you're sweet to be with too." So there you go. Uh, so just think about it, though, what what does your name mean, and what what is going on that represents who you are, your character, and your nature. I looked up and saw these these were the most common baby names last year. Uh, Liam. This is for boys. Uh, Liam means determined guardian. How about that for a name and William was actually one of the other names that was most common William actually has Liam in it in the spelling there and it means a protector and Noah means comfort and peace think about that and then on the girl's side Emma means whole and complete and Olivia means peace like an olive branch that's what's that's what's in the name there it makes you think of the olive tree and offering a peace offering to somebody and Ava means life and when, when I saw those were the most common baby names, like isn't that a prophetic commentary on what people in our society are looking for right now? Like something about naming my kids because this is what I'm desperate and I'm longing for in my life. I need there to be peace in me. I need to have life. I need to have somebody that's going to save and protect me. And that is what the world is looking for right now and it's what we carry because of who Jesus is in us. And we've just celebrated Easter, and we're going to talk about the different names of Jesus and and the things that they represent and what they do in our lives. Uh, There are benefits to the things that we call Jesus and the ways that we interact with him. And uh, many of the names, as Bill already prayed about, many of the names that Jesus, his titles are on the chalkboard in the foyer. And I would encourage you during this series, and even today before you leave, take a minute to just go out and look at the chalkboard and pick out a couple of names. Just, Lord, I'm going to think about you being my provider this week. I'm going to think about you being the Son of God and what that entails. Whatever the names are out there, just take a minute to pause and think about Jesus. This is what you mean to me. And today, just to lay some groundwork for the series, I'm actually going to talk about the name of Jesus. Like, Jesus himself. And we'll get to those other titles in a couple of the weeks in the future, but we're going to talk about Jesus. What does it mean when Jesus says, My name is Jesus? Not no. All, in Jesus, all of his promises are yes and amen. So it's not no with Jesus. But what does it mean when he says, my name is Jesus? Uh, just by its pure definition, the name Jesus, it was the Greek version of the Hebrew name Joshua, which meant God who saves. And so here is Jesus showing up on the scene, and his name was ordained by God. If you remember the story, it's, it's, it was Easter, not Christmas time, but you should all remember the story. The angel came to Mary and said, you're going to have a baby, and you're going to call him Jesus. Do you ever think about why God had to do that? Because I know guys, and, and I'm thinking, Joseph's there thinking, oh... You're going to have a baby. Well, we should name him after Uncle Ralph because he helped us out with the camels last year. Like, come on, that's, that's how guys work. And I'm thinking that's why God had to send the angel to say you got to call him Jesus. Could you imagine if, if we were walking around saying, bless you in the name of Ralph? Like, it just wouldn't be the same, would it? So the angel came from God to make sure that Jesus' name was communicated to Mary because, this is what the angel went on to say, and his name implies and entails it, because he will save his people from their sins. Right there in Jesus' name is a, is, a, is a clue of the assignment that Jesus was on, why he came to earth. He came to be the Savior, and that's part of what we celebrated last week. That's what we're after when, when we say the name of Jesus. That's why people declared on Palm Sunday leading up to Easter, they were shouting, Hosanna, save us. Because they knew who Jesus was, and they knew what he had come to do. Some of them missed it because they were thinking he came to save them in the natural, that he was going to drive out the Romans, that they were saying, Hosanna, you know, just like Joshua, led the children of Israel. They, they might have missed it, but they were saying what Jesus came to do. Son of God, Son of David, save us. Hosanna to the King. And that's awesome that they knew that and put that together. But I, I will say, if all we do is we stop at knowing Jesus as Savior, we've missed a lot of what else is in the package. Come on. There, there are things like, sometimes I think in Christianity, we reduce it to just, oh, it's some concept that we don't really wrap our heads around. We don't make it practical. Yes, Jesus saved me. Save me from my sins. Save me from myself. We say all these things, but we don't often think about what does that really look like practically in my life. And if we stop of just saying, oh, he's just Jesus the Savior, we miss so much more that's involved in it. And in Jewish culture, when Jesus was, was called that, it's more than just what you were called by. Your, your name carried a lot more weight in the Jewish culture. It, it wasn't just, hey, uh, I need something so you know I'm calling you in for dinner. Like, anybody ever see George Foreman? You know the boxer? He had five sons. You know what he named all five of his kids? George Foreman. Like That's literally all their names. And and I don't know if it was an ego trip or he just wanted to save time when it was time for dinner. Like you just go outside and you're just like, George, come in. And they all came running. It was more than just what you were called. In Jewish culture, your name represented who you were. It was something about your character and your nature. It was part of your standing in the community. It was the weight and the authority of your family was all wrapped up in your name. And Jesus' name represented something a lot greater than Liam or William or Noah. This is what Jesus' name represented. In Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 3, it says, The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. Come on, all of who God is, is wrapped up in Jesus. When we say that name, that is everything that he is and that he wants to be. thats I've read this definition in a Bible dictionary this week. It says, in Jesus, God is manifested as he is and man as he ought to be. Isn't that amazing? Just when we say the name of Jesus, everything that you could ever think about of who God is, is wrapped up in that name. Jesus really does answer all the questions of who is God what does he look like what's his will what did he come to do who am I supposed to be all of those questions that people ask we don't have to look any further than Jesus when we say that name there's so much wrapped up in it that that was God himself come in the flesh to walk on the earth what do you think I look like here's what I look like what do you think I came to do oh look I'm healing people I'm saving people I'm delivering people that's what God wants to do if you ever have a question, what, what would God do in this situation? What does he want? What's his will? Just start reading the life of Jesus and meditating on that's who he is. As Christians, uh, we've been given a lot of great things. We've been given the Holy Spirit and eternal life and all these things. But one of the most powerful things that we've been given is the ability to use the name of Jesus. If you read through John chapter 16, I don't have this one on the screen, but you can go read it later. He's having this discussion with his disciples about I'm getting ready to go and it's going to be awesome because in that day when I'm gone, you're going to ask the Father directly in my name. He says, it's it's not going to be me asking on your behalf. You yourself are going to talk directly to the Father in my name. And I'm going to say, he wasn't just saying... Oh, it's the name of Jesus. Hey, you know, I put it on a sign so God knows who I am. He was talking about the authority, the weight and the gravity of that name. The standing that he had with the Father is what he conferred on the disciples and what has been given to us. The ability to stand, to pray, to declare, to expect in the name of Jesus. He said, in the name of Jesus, you will ask in my name, not just with my name, not just using my name, but you're going to be standing. You are going to have the same weight and the authority as if it were me asking the Father and myself. And he gave that to us. Jesus, the name that we've been given is not like any other name. Here's a verse in Philippians for you. Chapter 2 and verse 9. It says, Because of the obedience, God exalted him and multiplied his greatness. He has now been given the greatest of all names. The authority of the name of Jesus causes every knee to bow in reverence. Everything and everyone, everybody say everything Everything. and everyone. everyone, everything and everyone will one day submit to this name in the heavenly realm, in the earthly realm, and in the demonic realm. Every tongue will proclaim in every language, Jesus Christ is Lord Yahweh, bringing glory and honor to God the Father. The name of Jesus is not like any other name. It is the highest name. It is the name that produces. It's the name that changes. It's the name that transforms. Who we were singing about this morning and that love of his that changes in an instant, that's the name. The name that we've been given. The name that's above every other name. Jesus is the name that's full of power. He's the one that can actually write the checks and has the stuff to back it up. And that's the name that we've been given. The greatest name of all. You may, you may have a translation that says the name above every other name. Above means not just first on the list or, or written higher on the wall than anybody else. It means it's superior. It goes beyond. It has the ability to produce. And every situation and circumstance that you are facing in this room today will bow to the name of Jesus. If we understand and just grasp that authority that he's given us, the weight that the name of Jesus carries, every circumstance in our life has to bow to it. And we we go around the room because I know we're people and we all have circumstances. It may be physical illness, it may be broken relationships. I don't care what it is. It has to bow at the name of Jesus. When he comes and gets involved in our circumstance, stuff happens. And I I do want to give this reminder, because I think sometimes we think of it this way. Uh, We believe that that Jesus is not to be used for a cuss word. Come on, as Christians, we're all pretty much in agreement on that, mostly. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands this morning. Uh, Like, that's one thing that we believe, like, oh, you shouldn't use Jesus' name as a cuss word. Do you know what else? Jesus' name is not a magic word. Some, sometimes we, we picture it like, you know, we walk up to the door, open sesame. I, I'm, I remember Looney Tunes and Bugs Bunny, and then they were trying to open the thing, and uh, open sesame, and it's not a magic word. It doesn't make stuff happen just because you say it. There's a standing that we have to know about. Think about it this way, who's the richest guy in America, and possibly the world, there's one or two guys that it goes back and forth, is Bill Gates, Right? Thank you for that. I got One person is tracking with me this morning. Uh, the richest guy in America is Bill Gates. And that's, that's a pretty powerful name. There's stuff wrapped up in that. You know he can buy stuff. He's got the money. He's got the, the resources. If I walked into a car dealership and said, I'm taking that vehicle in the name of Bill Gates, what would they do to me? Kind of what you're doing right now. They would laugh at me out of the dealership, or possibly they would call the police and arrest me for impersonating someone. Sometimes that's how Christians treat the name of Jesus. We just think, oh, I'm going to go in there and say, in the name of Jesus, and it's going to be like a magic word that opens the door for me. That car dealership would treat me much differently if my last name was actually Gates, if I actually had access to that family fortune if I had the resources to back up what I was saying right there, if they knew I had access to Bill Gates' fortune, not only would they say, we'd love to sell you that car, they would probably turn around and say, would you like to buy the whole dealership? And there, there really is something like that. If we were actually cognizant of we are in the family, we are in the standing of saying I can use the name of Jesus, not only would they say oh this one circumstance will change but would you like to buy the whole dealership? That's what. Not only would you be able to save one person but imagine what could happen to the city. The name of Jesus carries that much weight and that authority if we are in the family and we're willing to use it and we understand what we've been given. If I was... Part of the Gates family, they'd sell the town to me. I'm part of Jesus's family, and His name is greater than the Gates name. So. Uh, this, is, this is what happens. I just wanted to give you one story from the Bible. This is what happens when you try to use Jesus' name like a magic word. Uh, there, were, there were seven sons of a priest. His name was Sceva. And they were going around and they had a ministry of deliverance. They would go and cast demons out of people. And uh, it doesn't explicitly say this in the text, but I imagine there was money to be made. Come on, isn't, isn't, that, isn't that the old saying of follow the money? That's usually behind everything. And so these guys were going around with this ministry, but they didn't actually know God. And they would, they would go and they would see somebody and, and they would cast the demons out of them. And, and I don't know, it doesn't give a lot of history, but I imagine this had been working to some degree. Otherwise, they wouldn't have kept doing it. And it says they were going around the countryside with this deliverance ministry. And this is what they would say in uh, Acts chapter 19, verse 13. It says, some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus. What's that mean, tried to invoke? It means they were using it like a magic word. Like, hey, I'm just going to say this and stuff will happen. It says they tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. They would say, in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches. Come on, I command you to come out of him. That tells me they didn't really have a relationship. They weren't really in the family. They didn't really have the standing to be able to use the name of Jesus. It would be like, uh, this is like the Bill Gates example, I guess. It wouldn't even be like if I walked in and said, in the name of Bill Gates, do that. If I walked into the car dealership and said, oh, in the name of Bill Gates that Stephen Karen told me about. They, they told me he's got a lot of money so I'm here to use that name to get my stuff that's what it would be like and they walked into this demon possessed guy and they were saying we want you to come out in the name of Jesus that Paul talks about which, which to me also validates the heck out of Paul's ministry because they had been seeing results like that guy goes places and stuff happens because he knows the name of Jesus and uh, for them to be doing it it must have been working but at some point I think the demons were catching on. I think the demons realized, you don't really know him. You're just saying that name. Like, like, I'm seeing through this charade that you are not actually, you don't have the standing to use that name. It hasn't been given to you. And so what happened to the, those seven sons in Acts chapter 19, verse 15, it says, one time when they tried it, the evil spirit replied, I know Jesus. And I know Paul, but who are you? Talk about a scary moment in deliverance ministry when you're thinking you're going in there with a certain amount of authority and the ability to do something, and the demon not only talks but says, who do you think you are? That didn't end well. You can go read the rest of the story. The, the, the demon-possessed man actually jumped on these seven guys, attacked them so viciously that he tore their clothes off, beat them up, and they ran out of the house screaming and naked. Holy cow, we need the name of Jesus. When it talks about Jesus, I know and Paul I know. Those are actually two different words in the Greek, even though it says the word know both times. Uh, it says, Jesus I know. That first word in the Greek means, I'm really well aware of Jesus. Like, I know who Jesus is. Come on, that's, for all of eternity, they've been seeing Jesus. He's, he's the one who's existed before anything else, everything was made by him. The demons actually knew. Like, I know Jesus. And when it says, I know Paul, that word means I'm becoming acquainted with Paul. I've seen stuff happening. He, it looks just like Jesus when that guy shows up. And so he's saying, I, I really know Jesus and I'm finding out about Paul. I'm seeing that I don't have a chance against him either. But who are you guys? And I think Paul had been producing the same things that Jesus produced. He was well aware that he had been given the name. Paul knew I have standing because I'm in the family. And that's the same thing that has been given to us. Come on, over 70 times in his epistles, Paul talked about what it feels like to be in Christ. The benefits that you have. Why would he write all those things? I don't think Paul was writing just from a, a philosophical standpoint to say, oh, wouldn't this be exciting if we were in Christ? Or I see the, the word of God says this would happen if, you're, if the Messiah came and produced these promises. No, he was writing those things because he had first-hand experience. I have gone around and prayed for the sick. My, the handkerchiefs off my body have caused healing to happen. My shadow walking past guys. I've seen people get delivered in the name of Jesus. He had firsthand. experience Experience of the benefits of being in Christ. And that's why he wrote those things for us, so that we would know what we've been given when we've been given the name of Jesus also. This morning, if you're in this room this morning and you believe in Jesus, you are in the family too. Those same things that Jesus did, the same things that Paul did, are available to us because we are in Christ. Isn't that good news we should be excited. Like, like, look at somebody next to you and say that really is good news. Like, tap them on the shoulder right now. Say that's good news. If we believe in Jesus, we are in His family. And and watch what Paul writes in Romans. As one who knew this truth so much that demons were afraid of him and began to know who he was. In Romans chapter eight, it says, "You did not receive." I, I had like. I was reading this passage, and I was like, oh, I've got to keep this short with one verse. And these verses were so good, I had to put all three of them in. So we're going to read three verses here to see what Paul wrote to us about being in the family. It says, you did not receive the spirit of religious duty. Thank you, God. If I had to produce what the name of Jesus can produce in my own strength, I'd be in a world of hurt. But I didn't get the spirit of religious duty. I didn't get the performance treadmill from Jesus. I received his grace as a free gift. It says, you did not receive the spirit of religious duty leading you back into the fear of never being good enough, but you've received the spirit of full acceptance enfolding in you into the family of God. Man, just think about that phrase for a minute. The spirit of full acceptance enfolding us into the family of God. We're not the leftovers. We're not the stepchildren. We're not the half-brother or half-sister. We're not the illegitimate kid down the street. We've been enfolded into the family because we've been given the spirit of full acceptance. Some of your translations might say the spirit of adoption. You've been grafted in. Whatever it is that you want to look at, he sees us the same way he sees Jesus. Jesus. He doesn't see us as less than or you're the other side of the family or you're those kids I had to bring in because you were so needy and you followed me home from the orphanage. Come on. You've been given the spirit of full acceptance. You will never, just hear this even over your life this morning, just hear Jesus speaking this to you. You will never feel orphaned. You will never feel orphaned. For is he rises up within us. Our spirits join him in saying the words of tender affection, Beloved Father. This, there, love is at the root of all of this. No matter what you want to say, what you want to preach, all the doctrine you want to have, love is at the root of all of it. And that's the type of relationship we have with the Father. We are beloved children. He is our beloved Father. Uh-huh. Verse 16 says, For the Holy Spirit made God's fatherhood real to us, As he whispers into our innermost being, you are God's beloved child. We're not just the kids that he tolerates, we're the ones that he loves. Verse 17 says, Since we are his true children, we qualify to share all his treasures. For indeed, we are heirs of God himself. If you've ever had somebody in your family pass away and you got excited about getting some money, That pales in comparison. Because I've seen people act like idiots for I am going to get a few hundred bucks out of this deal. And they fight with each other in the family, or they file all these lawsuits, and it's just for earthly temporal stuff that's going to pass away and fade. And Scripture says we are actually heirs of God himself. What an inheritance we've been promised, not just temporal things, but the substance of life himself, the one that created everything that we see, that holds it all together by the power of his word. We're heirs of that, him, him himself. What a relationship he's given us. It says you are heirs of God himself. And since we are joined to Christ, we also inherit all that he is and all that he has. All that he is and all that he has. We will experience being co-glorified with him provided that we accept his sufferings as our own. When it says we will inherit all that he is and all that he has, you may have a translation that says we are co-heirs with Christ. To me, that is one of the most remarkable statements in this entire book. We, you, you can read it from front to back. There's a lot of things in here to get excited about. There's a lot of promises, but that one floors me. That anything that God would do for Jesus... Anything that that Jesus, the one that who walked perfectly on this earth, that had this relationship, that says, "I am the Father or one," I never do anything except I hear His voice and I see Him doing it. That one, Jesus Himself, it says anything that He is and that He has, we partake in that. We are joint heirs. That, this, come on, this this is deep. Like this stuff should change our walk in the way that we conduct ourselves in the world. He has come and made us one with himself to such a degree that when the Father looks at us, he's, he doesn't say, oh, that's, that's Pam in a Jesus suit. Or that's Pam hiding behind the edge of Jesus' robe. He looks at her and says, that's my daughter. That's, I hear this, the same thing I hear when Jesus walked on this earth and spoke and said, Father, do this. I hear that when I hear her pray. That's what God is up there responding to each one of us. Anything that God would do for Jesus, he would do for you. And we've been given that name. The name of Jesus to use in every circumstance that we find ourselves. In the the next few weeks, we're going to look at some of the other titles of Jesus and because they represent something that we've been given access to. When that verse says everything he has and that he is, that has been given to us, we're going to see what those other titles, what does it mean when they call Jesus Wonderful Counselor? Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. What does it mean that those are his titles and we're walking in that, that we have access to everything that he has access to? We're going to see what that means. But today, I just wanted to start by talking about Jesus. Jesus himself. And so here's the action point that I want us to take some time to do this week, even as we're moving into this series. Any, every day, before you ask for anything, when you're praying, when you're spending your time with God, before you even say, this is what's going on, this is what I'd like to happen, this is what I'm feeling, God, before any of that, take some time to just thank God for the name of Jesus. Whatever that means to you, just just begin in, in your prayer time. Before you even ask a request, just say, man, thank you, God, for the power of the name of Jesus, the beauty of the name of Jesus, the wonder of the name of Jesus. Just begin to take that time to meditate on, this is what you've given me to use, the name of Jesus. When I pray, it's not just a magic word. I actually have that standing with you. I have that authority because of what you did in my life, Jesus. Does that sound like something that you could do this week? I, I got most of the room is still with me hallelujah amen uh, let's go ahead and stand in this place thank you Lord Jesus for the name that you've given us the name that's above every other name the name that's superior uh, I just uh before we, we even go or move on, I just want you to take a second and put your hand on the shoulder of a person next to you. And we're just going to speak the name of Jesus over that person standing next to us. I'll pray, but, but you be in agreement with me. You, you can say the name of Jesus. You can say, bless them in Jesus' name. They don't have to be big, complicated prayers. Father, we come before you right now. And we thank you for the work of the cross, the resurrection that we celebrated last week, because it made a difference. It unlocked and released something in our lives. It gave us access to the name of Jesus. Lord, when you told your disciples, you can ask the Father directly. Not me asking on your behalf, but you asking him. Lord, thank you for that standing that you've given to us. And Lord, right now, as we lay our hands on one another, we bless each other in the name of Jesus. God, remind us of the wonder and and the benefits that you've released into our lives through the name of Jesus. God, we speak blessings over one another right now in the power, in the power, in the standing, in the might of the name of Jesus. Lord, release whatever is needed in my brother's life, in my sister's life this week. Lord, release it in the name of Jesus. Let your blessings flow to them. Let the authority and the power of Jesus be seen. Let their light shine in such a way that people see you are alive and well in them. God, bless us indeed as we go from this place. Let us walk in that standing, in that power, in that sense of knowing that we are your children. We are your beloved children, and you are our beloved Father. God, we honor you. We give you glory in this place. We thank you for the opportunity we've had to worship you, to praise you, to be in your presence this morning. We ask that you would continue to walk with us as we go from here. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.